Let's pray. Like I said earlier, this is the final part of our what we called our bodybuilding series. From 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, that little section towards the end of Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. And uh, we've discovered a few things about what they were like, haven't we, along the way. They're quite a messy church. They were doing quite a few things in a messy way. And ultimately, it's because their hearts were in the wrong place. They were thinking of themselves and not of him, ultimately. That was the root cause and the root core of all this. Um, But in this particular section that we've been focusing on about the use of spiritual gifts in gatherings amongst the church, um, we learned a lot of aspects of, of how Paul approaches that. But it's interesting where he says, not you're doing this wildly wrong, just stop. He doesn't actually say that, does he? He says, continue to use the spiritual gifts. Don't just have a couple of songs with Bob on the guitar and, and then someone to read out a bit of scripture and then you can have a cup of tea and go home again. Keep it nice and tidy. Keep it quiet and you can't go wrong. He doesn't say that. What he says is continue to use the spiritual gifts. Continue to, be, to eagerly desire them even, but use them well. Use them wisely. Use them in an honourable way. And so, right at the beginning, uh, first of all, from... Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we learn about the metaphor of the body. Paul describes the church as the body of Christ. And he talks about these different parts in the body, aren't there? And then we learn about the actual specific gifts that each of these body parts get to use. And each of us have different ones. Many of us, we have lots of overlaps. Most of us have more than one, obviously. Um, but in varying degrees, in varying ways, and according to our shape, God gifts us gifts, spiritual gifts by Holy Spirit. Supernatural gifts uh, for the building of the church. And then Julian, a few weeks back, reminded us from 1 Corinthians 13, the passage that is well known for weddings but isn't written for weddings at all. It's about this. It's about having love at the core of everything. And if you have not love when you're practicing and working through how to use the gifts, you don't have love as the basis of this. Love for each other, but more importantly, love for him. Then you're doing it wrong. Then you need to stop. Do it well. Keep love at the core. And then John, I thought John did really well last week. It was really helpful talking to us about uh, prophecy and tongues from 1 Corinthians 14, the first part of this chapter we're looking at now. And uh, John helps us understand that prophecy is about when God spontaneously reveals something of himself through us. And tongues is when, it was almost like our spirits rise up and bypass the, for us the English part of our brain. It just, we, we're given a, a, a language that helps us when we run out of words or means of expressing. or It just... Tongues, it just helps. It's, it's Holy Spirit at work with your Holy, with your Holy Spirit, with your Spirit, but it's you that is doing the praying. It's not Holy Spirit praying through you. He's just enabling your Spirit to kind of really bubble to the surface and just burst forth. In perhaps an angelic angelic tongue can be an earthly tongue, can be some long lost dialect from the middle of Africa that I've heard about before. You don't know that; it doesn't matter. But there is a tongue that you are given, a language that is given to you for you to pray with. It's not you can't help yourself in as much as I had to bring the tongue because the Holy Spirit gave it to me. No, no, no. He's just giving you another means of praying. And that's what tongues is. And now we come to this little finale where Paul sums up this part of his letter before he proceeds to sum up the whole letter itself. And we're going to start from verse 26 in just a moment. What's going on here is he's saying if, if you understand the church as a body, then we need to understand that for a church to be healthy and to be nurturing, there needs to be uh, 
Then it's been mutual participation, teamwork between the different parts. If some of your body parts, some of your organs are working against each other, you're going to be ill. All your body parts need to be working for the benefit of the body. Does that make sense? And so, in the same way, in the family, for a family to be healthy and nurturing, there needs to be understanding, empathy, consideration for one another, and more importantly, in the light of the one who gives us these gifts in the first place. This is about mutual participation. This is all about building up. I'm sure you've come across house rules before. Some of you might have them. You quite often actually see them elsewhere as well. You see house rules on uh, website forums, chat rooms, where there are often house rules in place to ask all the users to be respectful to other users and how you talk to each other and how you have a discourse together. Otherwise, you get chucked off the forum. There's a way of honouring each other. There's certain house rules in place. You see them in businesses. This is how we do business. This is how we run as an organisation. These are our values. Schools have values. These, these kind, of, kind of house rules, they're not black and white law, but they're helpful ways of ensuring we build the right culture. It's about building up. And of course, we get them in the house as well. Shoes off, please. Who's got that one? A few people. So yes, mother. You're right. I wonder. Uh, if you drop it, pick it up. Yeah, my daughter's not here today, it's one for her, no names, but Amy. Uh, eat your vegetables, so that's quite often a house rule when your kids are growing up, because you want them to grow up healthy and be a healthy part of the family, you want them to eat their veg. Put the toilet seat down. How many arguments have been caused by, yeah, yeah, actual arguments because of not putting the toilet seat down. I'll just throw this in here, because I've got the microphone. It goes the other way for men, put the toilet seat up, yeah. Thank you, just, I'll leave that one with you. And uh, one of my gen mine and Jenny's favourites is don't let the sun go down in an argument. It's, it's a good, wise, biblical counsel for healthy, nurturing family life. House rules are good. And Paul, in this little section we're about to read, is actually introducing some more house rules. And if you want to do it in terms of the body, he's introducing a means of healthy exercise. How the body can operate in a healthy way that maintains and encourages further growth and flourishing. So from verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 14, he says this. He's just come off the back of the bit that John shared with us about prophecy and tongues, and now he says this. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is, to be made, is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged." And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. I'm going to come back to that in a minute, don't worry. <laughs> Shh. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. I will talk about that in a moment. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet, 
or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Let me just pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I just pray, even just in the next 20 or 30 minutes, Lord, may you just reveal something fresh to us or bring something to light that we've perhaps forgotten. But Lord, we, I know all of us here, want to see this church flourish, this expression of your body. So help us to know how to play our part in that. And Lord, uh, we long to see the fruit of what may come out of this. But Lord, we just want to do all things well because it's for your glory, not for ours. So help us to understand more. Help me as I share from this passage. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I want to talk about healthy exercise. I'm going to look at a few little verses in this passage and there's something else I want to do together with you in a little while. Something to look at together. But uh, first of all, right at the very beginning, how does Paul open this little section? He says, verse 26, what is it he says? He says, what then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Now sometimes this verse has been taken as an encouragement. Each one of you has got a hymn, or a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. So don't sit there and think it's not for you. We've all got something to bring. So it doesn't always have to be the same people. It's used as that. That is a good principle, because that is true. We do all have the ability, as born again, Christians, we have Holy Spirit, we can lean on him and ask him what can I bring and each of us have the opportunity to bring something. What this verse is saying in context isn't actually saying that. What he's saying is, when you all come together, you lot in Corinth, each one has a hymn and a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. It's like saying in nice terms, shut up. You're all trying to, there's this big clamouring for everybody to have their five minutes on the stage. Get hold of the, hand, the mic. I'm sure they had a mic back then. I go, no, 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 I haven't finished yet, but I, I'm queuing up, I'm going to be here for half an hour, I'm getting thirsty, I want to go and get a drink. Can I just bring my bit? And they're all bringing, I've got a hymn, I've got an interpretation. He's saying, guys, that's not helpful. That's what he's saying here. See, Holy Spirit is not a God of chaos. Holy Spirit is a God of order. Sometimes, unfortunately, Holy Spirit has been painted as there's the dry form where we do this, then this, then this, or there's the Holy Spirit stuff where anything goes. But actually, that's not Holy Spirit at work. He's not a God of chaos, is he? He's not impulsive. He is considered. And everything has a purpose by Holy Spirit in God's providence. He knows what he's up to. Holy Spirit has plans, not flash in the pans. Holy Spirit takes us on journeys not jollies. Does that make sense? Because it's true. Sometimes we can forget that. Oh, it was a bit dry because we just did this, this, this and we had a prophecy and we had, but it wasn't all anything goes and it got really exciting and everybody just all fell on the floor. That's not necessarily Holy Spirit. Sometimes that's just us. We just need to be aware of that. Holy Spirit is not intending for us to be messy, clamouring for our five minutes if you like. This isn't charismatic karaoke. Just remember that. It's fine. What Paul is saying, he is saying this. If you're making notes, this is what you want to write down. Paul is saying this. This is not about all of us contributing because we have to say something. This is about some of us contributing because we have something to say. 
I'll say that again. This is not about all of us contributing because we have to say something. It's about some of us contributing because we have something to say. That goes for preachers as well. If you want to get in the pulpit because you, got, you want to have to say something, it's the wrong reason to preach. You preach because God's giving you something to say. Does that make sense? It's the same thing for all of us. If we bring something that is supposed to be for the building up of the body, we need to be sure it's something to bring, not just because you want to bring something. Big difference. Holy Spirit is a God of order. And we see that here, verse 33. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Just to make sure they get it, Paul has spelt it out in black and white. All we do needs to be about building up. This is what he keeps repeating, right in that very first verse of this section. After all of you have got something you're trying to bring, he says, let all things be done for building up. And then in the passage from last week that John brought in verse 12, right at the end, where he says, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. We can strive to be excellent at that. That's quite, that's quite an exciting thing to strive for, isn't it? Striving to excel in building up the church. Which is why, verse 32, he also includes, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. So he's saying that all, all of you can bring, a, can bring a tongue, but he's asking just a few of you to do it, so it just doesn't become a big gabble. And the same with prophecies as well. You don't all have to prophesy, all of you are able to, but you don't have to. God, God is able to say what he needs to say to us in two or three. That's fine. That's what happened this morning. We took it in turns and it worked well. It took us on a journey. And so in verse 33, the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. What he's saying there, this is about self-control. If you have something to bring prophetically, it is subject to your self-control as to whether it's for now or for someone else. If it's just for you to go home and have a little think about, it's not for you to bring at all. You can subject it to your own spirit and you can decide if you bring or don't bring. Just because you feel, oh, I'm just feeling really excited and I need to bring something, it might not be helpful what you bring then. The spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. You are able to decide not to, that's fine. And you're also able, when you're really nervous and you know you should bring something, but you're not going to because you're really nervous, you can decide to anyway. It goes both ways, of course. So here's a thought. If we're Jesus' body, which is what Paul's reminded us of, if we're Jesus' body, then we should be like him. Therefore, this is not about clamouring for attention, wrestling for our five minutes, or even just being sporadic, even if it's out of the good heart. This is what I'm saying, a bit of this and a bit of that. And it's Actually, we've got a whole potpourri of stuff and we don't know what to take home and what's to, what to dwell on. Has it, what's his overall message in that? It was just a whole mix of bag, bag stuff. Bag, what's, it, what's it called? A whole mix bag. See, growth is about direction. You grow in a certain direction. You don't grow randomly, do you? You grow up. It's about going on a journey. It's about being considerate, humble, gentle. It's about listening to each other, listening to what's going on. It's about being gracious, about building each other up. And if you don't get to bring something you thought you should bring, it's okay. Maybe it's right for next week. Maybe it's something you can do quietly with the elders or, or your growth group leaders behind the scenes. Nobody sinned if you didn't bring a prophetic word that you thought you should have brung. It's okay. It's about healthy exercise, isn't it? A couple more verses to look at. Here we go. Verse 34. So right in the middle of this, Paul seems to bring in something very, very contentious. 
about women keeping silent. Why does he do that? It is actually for the same purpose. We'll find out. Let's just read it. Verse 34, or just before that, is in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now on the surface, you think, oh, we're doing it wrong. But that's not what he's saying there. See, we always need to take verses in context. Always. What is this, where is this verse in context of the passage it's placed in? In context of the book or the letter it's placed in? In the context of the whole of the Bible? What is its context, context, context? Always, always. What has gone before it? What comes after it? What other parts of the Bible seem to contradict it, for example? And if so, let's work out why. Because you do find out elsewhere, in the same letter, for example... 1 Corinthians verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 5, uh, but every woman who prays or prophesies. And that's talking about church, church gatherings. Well, three chapters later, he says they shouldn't. So what's he say? They should, see, they should keep quiet. So he's just contradicting himself, isn't he? Or has he? Acts chapter 2, what's the great prophecy from Joel that, uh, that Peter reminds the crowd of? What does he say? He said, I will pour out my spirit. This is, he's referring to Joel's prophecy where God reveals himself to say, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Acts 21, we find out about Philip the Evangelist's daughters. And they all prophesied. Colossians 3.16 says, teach one another, not just if you're male and the ladies keep quiet. Or the ladies can do it in their own special group with flower arranging in the back hall. No, he's not saying that at all. Teach one another. Here, we need to understand, this word silent in this passage is talking about a certain quietness. It's actually talking about holding peace. To keep silent means to hold peace. It's not a complete ban on making a noise or having anything to say. What's going on here, notice he's speaking to wives. Because does that mean if you're single you can talk and if you're married you can't? See, he's not saying that at all. He's talking about a subversion of headship was going on. About a wrestling for pastoral responsibility in the family which God puts on the men because, as you look around today, you see men like to default away from that, taking on pastoral responsibility for family, both in the church and in the home. And that's why God's put it in there because he knows we're not going to want to do it. He's like, guys, you need to step up and take responsibility. It's not about... You have all the decisions to make, but you have a responsibility for the care of the family. And in this context, there's a subversion of that. And he's just saying, guys, do it well. This is about healthy exercise. It's the same thing again. There are other verses that can have a similar misunderstanding. 1 Timothy 2, we might actually look at that one day. But if you've got any more questions about that, just come and ask me. I don't want to dwell on that too long, simply because that's not what we're here for this morning. But what Paul is talking about is healthy Exercise. This is about building up of the church. This is about a flourishing family. He's saying, guys, just do it well. Just be healthy and do it well. It's not about rules, but it's not about anything goes either. Let's just, just do this in an honouring way. See, I have seen gifts and positions in the church being abused. And people have been really hurt by gifts being abused 
and by positions in the church being used. And it's good to be accountable, openly, transparently accountable to each other. I want to be accountable to you. If ever I step out of line, give me a slap. Seriously, please do. I want to know, I want to know that's there. Oh, God willing, I, I don't, but I want that safeguarding in place. It's good to have safeguarding in place. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about having a flourishing church family, isn't it? It's about healthy exercise. And so in our context, what we thought, what might help some of our Sunday mornings, because we want to encourage more people to have a go at contributing on Sunday mornings. I love the fact that a number of us contribute quite freely. It's a bit scary in front of other people to have a go, isn't it? But in growth group is a good environment to do that. And so this will be for growth group as well. I've got something to hand out in a sec, but also for Sunday mornings. We want all of us to be willing and have the confidence to bring something, but not all of us have to do it on a Sunday. But it means as the weeks go by, we can take it in turns. How's that? I don't want anyone to feel frightened or think they're going to get it wrong. It's not about that at all. Can we hand these out? We've got to do three sections now, haven't we? With our new seating plan. Can you pass those around? Hopefully there'll be enough there. Just a few there. Don't want to pass it along. Pass those out. And any spares we can put up, uh, put on the back table. So there's spares for people who aren't here or if you need some more next week. We'll read through it together in a sec. These are just helpful pointers just to help us gain confidence in how to contribute together. While you're passing those around, you see, I just want to tell you a little story. I used to do bodybuilding. Why you laugh? Why you laugh? I have a unique physique. I quite like my unique physique now. It's all right. I don't mind it. I've come to terms with the fact that God made me this way and I should be happy with it. But when in my teens, I used to do bodybuilding. And I tried really hard. I really worked hard. Stop laughing. I tried really hard at the, the exercise, the diet, the routines, the discipline. Is there enough to go around? Have you got enough? There's an old pile over here. And I, mean, I got quite ripped. I had a six-pack to die for, but it was about that big. <laughs> but what I did learn was about the value of healthy exercise. I could have done that in my own way and tried to get one bicep that's just massive and I just look stupid. Here's a, I've got a picture to show you. Hopefully, in a minute. Look at this guy. Something not quite right there, is it? It's a genuine guy. He's a, he's a German arm wrestler. There's something not quite right there. You see, his, he has not conducted in healthy exercise, shall we say. He's focused on one limb over another, isn't he? Looks a bit odd. He'd be really good at arm wrestling, but he'd be rubbish at hugs, wouldn't he? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It'd be a, bit, a little bit weird, wouldn't it? You see, healthy exercise is about doing everything wisely, not just focusing on one area at the expense of others. Body parts focusing on one limb at the expense of others. For example, it's not about anything goes. Thank you, Helen. Cheers, mate. So let's read through this together, and hopefully this will make sense. You see, that's why I've just called it, how can I help build up my church family? These aren't rules you have to memorise and hopefully you've ticked all the boxes before you bring a contribution. Please don't get me wrong, that's not what this is about. This is just how to, be, how to encourage you in, in terms of what we mean as elders, in terms of what we, how, we, how we want to conduct our gatherings together. I hope this makes sense. Uh, bodybuilding, contributing and gathering. These are rules. This is just a reminder that it's about building up and I'll explain a bit more towards the end. The following are simple, user-friendly ways to ensure all our contributions, be they prayers, 
scripture, prophecy, tongues and interpretation or other things, in gatherings, both small and large, benefit our church family, ourselves and our guests. These are just things to bear in mind. That's all it is. First of all, here's, here's the, my favourite, the top one of the list. Ask yourself, is this for me or others for now or for later? That's something I always ask myself anyway, every time. It's always helpful because sometimes I've had a word and it bears no relevance to the rest of the people in the room, but actually God's going, that was for you, Steve. Well done. Didn't have to say it out loud. It's fine. Sometimes we have to remember those things. Sometimes it's for later. It's not for now because of where we're going in our worship journey, if you like, for want of a better word. It's actually a take us off course, but it is relevant. It's just for another time, another place. Sometimes people have come up on a Sunday evening at Prayer and Vision, for example, and said, I had a word this morning. It just didn't fit at all. So they were asking this question. But now it fits. Now I get why I was given it. You see, sometimes there's a different timing for it. Ask yourself, is this for me or for others for now or for later? Another question to ask is worth asking, where is our worship journey leading in this moment? Will what I bring help or deviate? See, Kay did this last week. She's not here today. She did this last week. She had that word about heart surgery. Do you remember during our song time last week? And she really didn't feel it was for them, wasn't sure. She just, she's actually almost laid out a fleece, if you like. She said to God, if it's for now, may someone use the word heart in the next minute or two. And then Peter read his reading at the back and one of the last words in the passage he read from Psalm, I think, wasn't it, was about heart. And she went, thank you, Lord. And she brought it. And it seemed to bear significance on where we were at by then. She, she asked God, not just for something to bring, she asked him if it was right to bring now. Brilliant. That's all it is, you see. Third point. Avoid Christian lingo where possible, or if necessary to use, explain simply. Just remember, sometimes we have guests amongst us and we're talking about re the redemption of the Lamb and his great substitutionary atonement. And 60% of us go, yay! And 40% go, what? Just, just remember, half of us Christians haven't got a clue what these long words mean, let alone <laughs> our guests. So just bear that in mind. This is a family environment and you want to make guests feel at home. Remember, we have guests who have no clue of our world. I haven't got a clue of half the Christian world, but just think others definitely haven't. Just bear it in mind. Keep contributions concise where possible. A simple message has far more impact than a longer or convoluted one. You don't have to go on. It's fine. If you've got something long to bring, then okay. But it doesn't have to be long. Keep it short and simple. Sometimes the simplest prayers are the best. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. If you have a reading or prophecy, you don't have to do this, but if you have a reading or prophecy, it's helpful to pray publicly on the back of it in thankful response. Just helps shape it a little bit more. Sometimes we can just have a scripture and a scripture and a scripture. And I'm, even I'm at the front, I'm not losing track of... It's just nice to pray it through. It helps apply it a little bit more in our hearts. Don't have to, but it helps. Here's one worth, uh, worth mentioning. Avoid saying God told me or God says, just because that can be quite unhelpful sometimes. I know uh, John made a point of that last week. Thus saith the Lord... And it gives a bit of an added weight to it that might not even be there. Actually, we want this to be weighed by each other. 1 Thessalonians 5, as well as his own passage, talks about weighing it in the body. So when words are brought, even when I bring words, I don't say, God says for you. Even I say, I think God's telling me. I believe God's given me a picture. And it's for us to work out because I might be wrong. And I'm open to that and I want to be happy that I might be wrong. But I'm willing to bring it. So avoid saying God told me or God says. Instead use I believe God is saying. The onus is then rightly on the people and the elders to weigh. This also helps avoid abuse, whether intentional or not. Sometimes that can happen. People say, well, he, he said that God told him, so I had to go and do such and such. And then it all goes horribly wrong. 
well, let's work it out between us. And therefore, sometimes the way it's delivered can help avoid problems in the first place. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? If you want to pray for someone, particularly in the area of healing, make it an invitation rather than expectation. This can be a sensitive area for those who walk with long-term illness, for example. Ask them what they want. We're going to pray for you with your really short leg and we're going to watch it grow. And this person's thinking, I'm fine, I'm quite happy with my crutch for now. In fact, I was, in another ch- I was preaching in another church, and uh, this was a while back, and just doing worship, someone leapt up, grabbed the microphone. We're going to pray for X, who was, she was a lady who was in a wheelchair. We're going to pray for you and pray for you to walk. And she's like, no thanks. It's like, no, 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 I've got faith. We need to do this. And some people started getting a bit awkward, a bit shifty. And she, she, she had a big grin on her face. She didn't take it badly, but she was just like, I'm fine. God's doing other stuff in me right now. Maybe another day, maybe not. But right now, please don't. And he went on and prayed for her anyway. So my mate, who was a leader at the time, he, he dealt with it very sensitively and very well there and then. He, he did. But we want to avoid that, don't we? Because we need to understand, people who walk through long-term illness, Jenny will tell you with her back, sometimes there comes a point you don't want prayer, and it's fine. Because God's up to other stuff. And when they're ready, if they do, that's fine. What we, what we can say, if you feel led to pray for someone, I just feel really led to pray for you, David. Uh, how can I pray for you? And David might go, I'd like my deafness to be healed, my blindness to be healed. Or he might just go, just do a bit of peace this week, because this coming, upcoming week's going to be a bit of a nightmare. Ask them what they want, and it's sensitive then, isn't it? (laughs) Pardon? (laughs) The last bit, the elders are available to help decide any of the above. They're also responsible for anything that is doctrine-defining or directional. That is what we're here for, is kind of father figures for the church. So speak to us. We won't buy it. I haven't bitten anyone yet. (laughs) And I'm not going to. Come and ask us. I hope we're approachable enough. If not, tell us, and we'll try and be more approachable. Please, we'll work stuff out together. We're family. We're not high and mighty because we're elders. We're part of you. We're one of you with a different role to you. We're all in this together, yeah? So we'll work it out together. The only reason I haven't swapped this morning's meeting around, and now, we, now we're going to do a song time and see how this works out with our contributions. Let's put this into practice, is we'll all be sitting there going through the script together. Have I, uh, oh, I don't know, I won't bring anything yet. Nothing will happen. It will backfire horrendously. All I'm saying is just dwell on these, let these just sit in your heart, and they'll just help us for future. Is that okay? Okay. Colossians 1.18, there's one more verse to look at. One more point to make. We had a bit of Colossians 1 this morning already. Colossians 1.18, this is Paul again and he's using the picture of the body, the church as the body of Christ. What does he say? Verse 18, and he, he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent or reign supreme. Jesus is the head of the body that we want to see flourishing. And that's the ultimate point we need to remember that will help all of this. You see, when Christopher Reeve, do you remember him, the guy who was famous for playing Superman in the 70s and 80s, he had a massive horse riding accident in 1995, didn't he? And he broke his neck and he became a quadriplegic. His physical body became effectively useless. His identity was not in his body. He didn't suddenly lose all worth, all value, or all benefit to society, did he? His identity was in his head. So when we're talking about the body... Our identity isn't actually in what we see right here. This doesn't define us. How we behave doesn't define us. 
What defines us is Jesus as our head, Jesus the one who reigns supreme, and that defines how we behave. It's the other way around. Yeah? So all Paul is talking about here about healthy exercise, all he's actually saying is, Jesus, 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 Jesus. The one who died for you, rose again, that you might be set free from all your sin for eternity, secured, you're now sons and daughters of the living God. Therefore, in light of that, in light of that let's do this well. Keeps it simple, doesn't it? It's about building up the church, building up the body. Let me just pray.